Hello and welcome back. My name is Sue Langley and welcome to our Learn With Sue Walk and Talk podcast. The place where we walk and talk about the science of emotions, positive psychology and neuroscience to help us be the best we can be. And I thought today I've been reading quite a few research papers lately and there was one in particular that I've recently read that I think is fantastic and if you are on our member portal we are happy to share this with you through the portal. It's the annual review of psychology papers and it's called Emotions in Organisations Theory and Research by um, Hilary Elfenbein and it's absolutely fantastic overview of the science of emotions and what I really loved upon reading it is um, recognising that at least I know the things that we um, work with our, uh, our clients when we do positive leadership, leading with emotional intelligence, uh, when we work in this sort of space that what we're doing is supported by the literature. It is a great paper and I thought what I'd do is give you a little bit of an overview so they start off with a bit of an introduction about uh, emotions, how they work, how it links to the workplace, our professional lives, etc, etc. Understanding that um, as we open our office door or our Zoom window, that our full humanity includes this emotional experience. Um, and we need to understand that. And that really resonates with me because many of you may know that I have a keynote that I present uh, uh, which talks about emotions and engagement. I always say you can't have engagement without emotion. So we measure engagement in the workplace all the time and yet emotions really drive workplace engagement. So we need to be thinking about the emotional uh, experience of people in the workplace. So um, the psychological processes related to emotions in the workplace are mapped out uh, in this paper with um, stimulus and emotional registration. So are we actually aware of the emotional, uh, what, what stimulates emotion if you like? Do we register that? What's our own emotional experience? Uh, it talks about then the post-emotional consequences of behaviour, attitudes, cognition. We often talk about this as um, decisions, thoughts, behaviours, etc. Uh, emotional expression then, so uh, what is being expressed, and then display regulation. So do we need to um, adjust based on the situation we're in? And it also talks about emotional recognition in others and decoding regulation in others. Um, so it's, a, as I say, a great paper, and I'm gonna talk you through a few of the bits and pieces that are in here. So the first thing is emotional experience. And um, they discuss the uh, state affect and trait affect. Um, so how our um, in the moment affect, if you like, impacts us. And it talks about workplace stimuli being um, interpreted to evoke emotional states. And these states may be different to our attitudes such as job satisfaction. They're in the moment um, things that evoke emotion. So it could be physical environments that create uh, or evoke emotions for us in the workplace such as privacy or crowding or task interdependence. It could be other um, things that evoke emotions that may show up in the workplace including work family conflict or task conflict with teammates um, or if you feel you have to conceal your identity in some ways in your workplace or not or the joy of engaging with work itself. So we know that uh, workplace events elicit emotions, whether it's interactions with colleagues, clients, uh, whether it's to do with negative events or positive events that particularly happen during the working day, um, as well as that physical environment element. 
And then we've got the trait affect. So this is, I suppose, are we as people, um, do we tend to look more or less on the bright side? Are we faster or slower to blame others, etc.? which is might be trait affect, which is in general, um, we vary as individuals on our ideal affect. Uh, in general, most human beings prefer more positive and less negative uh, valence, if you like, in their uh, emotional experience. And this actually plays out in a lot of organizational research where um, uh, people who have what they call a trait affective presence um, is how do I, for instance, when I show up, make you feel? So what does my presence have uh, from an affective perspective on you? Um, and again, that's an interesting one because trait affect is basically how I feel, my trait, do I tend to be somebody who's more positive, more experiencing more positive emotion or more negative emotion. But trait affective presence is what's the impact on other people. And recognizing that we as individuals are emotional eliciting stimuli for others. And again, I'm sure this won't be a surprise to you that um, uh, the research suggests that individuals seek colleagues who elicit more positive affect. Um, so again, we tend to want to be around people who are making us feel more positive affect in the workplace. Now, again, we know this from the work that we do on positive leadership. If you've been on our positive leadership programs or you're thinking of joining us for our LG certified trainer programs, we talk about um, the heliotropic effect. And the heliotropic effect is that we pull towards, or living organisms pull towards life-giving energy. And that's played out with all of the emotional components as well. Then the paper goes on to talk about what they call post-emotional consequences, whether that be um, attitudes, cognitions, or behaviors. And basically what this is, is that emotional states influence our attitudes, cognitions, and behaviors. So for instance, we might have a job attitude that is our feelings and beliefs about one's job. And our affective valence that they talk about, so positive or neg negative affect, um, will influence uh, how we feel about our role. And again, lots of different examples here, such as um, the things that can literally influence our affect, uh, performance appraisals, commitment, cohesion, turnover intentions, etc. And our affect will influence those. And equally, as we said before, our um, emotional experience in our performance appraisals may then trigger certain emotions. So they sort of go back and forth. Again, what's really interesting um, when we think about the work around engagement at work and the number of surveys that measure um, workplace engagement is we know that job satisfaction increases with positive affect and decreases with negative affect, whether it's state or trait measurements. So again, what we need to be thinking of is if we want to increase engagement across an organization, are we actually helping people around the emotional component? Uh, high positive affect workers will are more likely to change their environments by departing from jobs when they're dissatisfied, whereas high negative affect workers are not. And again, I've shared that with people numerous times, and it's not a surprise when you make it sort of practical, and yet the research supports this um, consistently. So again, what are we doing in our organizational setting to try and share work around how to handle our emotions, to understand that emotional experience? 
What about thinking? Well, again, many of you who've done programs with us, I'm sure you will know this, but decision-making is powerfully influenced by affect. Um, anger focuses people on blame. Fear focuses people on risk. Um, emotions can change the depth of thinking. So positive affect encourages more heuristic or holistic processing, more freedom to explore and learn. Negative affect encourages greater vigilance and narrow focus. If we think about decisions that involve other people, the social functions, if you like, then again, our feelings, how I am showing up, my affect, will influence the decisions I make around others. And again, lots of research backs this up. Those of you who've completed our Diploma of Positive Psychology and Wellbeing, you'll know we talk about Barbara Fredrickson's Broaden and Build Theory, which um, basically looks at how positive emotions, positive affect, actually influences and builds our psychological, our intellectual, our social and our physical resources. And again, what's interesting is positive affect from a neuroscience perspective um, is associated with safety. Uh, so therefore it gives us greater freedom to explore, so, which allows more expansive processing, etc. Whereas when we're in a negative affect, a negative emotional state, we want our brains potentially to narrow our focus um, because it's saying we're not safe. If we then think about post-emotional behaviours, so how does our emotion actually influence behaviours? Well, we know that, for instance, um, each emotion has what they call distinct action tendencies. So compassion is about providing support. Uh, pride is that we want to share our achievements with others. Fear is about escape or mobilising resources to eliminate a threat, etc. So again, our emotions are there for a reason. They're designed to help us move towards or move away from things. And again, those of you who've done the work around the energy chart with us, you'll know that different moods are optimal for different tasks. So happiness for brainstorming, what they call mild dysphoria for data analysis. So again, how do we use our emotional state to actually drive um, behaviours, uh, different tasks that we're trying to, to do? There's a couple of things in here that I thought were particularly interesting about post-emotional behaviours. Um, and, and again, I'm sure it won't be a surprise to many of you in the positive organisational scholarship uh, space. Um, individuals higher in positive affect receive higher supervisor evaluations, higher pay and more support from supervisors and peers. Because um, positive affect can increase productivity and motivation through greater persistence or goal setting. And again, that comes out in many, uh, much of the research, um, including again Barbara Fredrickson's work. Um, interpersonally, colleagues may react differently to high positive affect employees, providing them more favorably biased evaluations, even without performance differences, because again, we pull towards life giving energy. We may find that higher positive affect employees may treat their colleagues differently, engaging in more positive behaviours that are reciprocated, that actually increase job performance. And also positive affect individuals tend to be better at finding person, skill, fit. So through their own self-awareness and job search efforts, they may be better at job crafting and having those conversations that allow them to either find new roles or adjust their role to play to their strengths. And again, there are pretty strong correlations that um, link positive affect with higher job performance and citizenship behaviours. 
Okay, what else is playing out in here? Well, there's some wonderful uh, acknowledgement of leaders and leaders trait and state positive and negative affect. And again, what's interesting is leaders who are higher in positive affect tend to be um, better with their uh, other rated effectiveness. So both self-rated and other rated effectiveness around group performance, leadership emergence, um, and transformational leadership behaviors. So if I, as a leader, am showing up with more positive affect on a regular basis, chances are I get increased cooperation, increased trust development, increased information exchange, etc. And yet you, if you work with me, will actually perceive me as a better leader as well. And then the next part of the paper talks about um, communication via emotion. So it talks specifically about emotional expression and uh, emotional recognition and then emotional regulation. And again, emotional expression is quite lovely because there's again lots of research around whilst the emotional experience is private, emotional expression creates cues for you to publicly consume my emotions, if you like. Those non-verbal cues such as facial expression, vocal tone, body movement, touch, physical distance, etc. And the important thing here is that um, we may not always be um, expressing ourselves accurately. Although the research does actually find in general that expression accuracy predicts better results. Even something very specific with um, clinicians, their expression accuracy predicted better patient satisfaction and more on-demand appointments um, because people preferred to be around and having an honest expression of what was going on. Emotion recognition then is about analyzing the expressive cues. So I might be expressing an emotion, how good are you at recognizing it? And again, what's interesting is, of course, is um, accuracy does help us. And of course, there are consequences to that accuracy as well. So in general, it leads to more favorable workplace outcomes, such as increased customer satisfaction, increased charitable donations, employee voice, willingness to follow leaders, team coordination, entrepreneurial funding and creativity, um, all of those sorts of things. Although it can potentially lead to exploitation through perceptions of naivety, for instance, if um, somebody is wanting to take advantage, if you like, of that uh, emotional recognition. Um, generally, uh, positive displays were more effective for leaders. What was most important was accuracy. And what they found, which I think is interesting, is um, what they call a curvilinear effect on responses. So um, not uh, expressing much accuracy um, as in low intensity suggests lack of importance, etc. High intensity suggests dysregulation. So actually our better outcome is when we're accurately expressing ourselves, but not too high, not too low. So if you are feeling distressed, anxious, to go, no, I'm fine, or ah! is probably not gonna work so well. And yet somewhere in between of actually being able to say, I am feeling distressed right now, um, I'm finding it difficult to think is a much more effective uh, response because it's portraying sincere emotions and yet not in a overly dramatic way that means that people don't know how to handle it or, or um, as I say, smacks of what they call dysregulation. 
What's interesting is, um, and again, I'm sure it won't be a surprise to any of you listening, that uh, emotions are much more misattributed in email than face-to-face interactions. So uh, as we're still doing a lot um, uh, virtually, and I have to admit I love my virtual work, um, cameras on is really helpful. Um, Greater accuracy predicts better workplace effectiveness ratings from supervisors, supervisees, peers, clinical patients. It predicts negotiation performance. Emotion recognition skills, according to this paper, also predicts uh, annual income due to more effective uh, interpersonal behavior. Um, Although they do flag a little bit um, of a challenge around the emotional recognition, um, and this depends on whether you're particularly good at then regulating, is if you are particularly skilled at emotional eavesdropping and recognizing hidden negative signals, um, you may have more difficulty in personal workplace relationships, particularly if you can't then regulate and realize that it might not be about you or it might be a small in the moment situation. And then the paper goes on to talk about emotional regulation, which is obviously one of the key skills um, that we have at our disposal of understanding that all emotions are data. This is what the phrase that we always use in our business. Emotions are data, they're information, they're trying to tell us something. And then our job is, well, how do I regulate those emotions? How do I use them effectively if they're working for me or regulate if I'm not? And basically, emotional regulation uh, is basically the difference between the felt and the displayed emotion. Do I need to change um, how I display my emotions from what I'm feeling based on the situation that I'm in? And what I really love here is they talk about the research around different types of regulation. And they specifically say that um, there isn't one best emotional regulation strategy. There are many emotional regulation strategies. One could be situation-based regulation, which is basically situation selection. Do you need to change your situation in order to shift um, your ability or your need to regulate your emotions? And again, the research tells us, and I'm sure it will make sense, that what they call higher-powered individuals in the workplace, so basically more senior people in the workplace, tend to be able to shield themselves from unwanted stimuli by delegating tasks, moving freely through the organization, ignoring whom they choose and not, etc. Whereas potentially when we're lower in the organization, we may not have as much choice to change the situation. So what can we do um, to uh, create changes in the workplace to make them more emotionally fulfilling, improving HR policies, creating spaces for mutual support and psychological safety? They then go on to talk about the difference between deep versus surface acting, uh, which often they talk about uh, emotional labor. Uh, emotional labor is basically how much effort, if you, look, if you think about what I'm feeling, how much effort do I have to put in to fake uh, how I'm feeling? Um, and there's lots of work that's been done in this space, particularly in service industries, um, also medical, social work, law enforcement, etc. when I might feel one thing, Um, and yet the emotional requirements uh, might be, you know, requiring something. What's my strategy then for emotion regulation? Is it what they call deep acting versus surface acting? And then my emotional performance, as in how do I then adjust um, and produce those visible displays? And I think what's really interesting here is the the reappraisal strategy of how do I actually reappraise? So rather than the surface acting, which is suppressing my experience and adjusting my displays etc through sheer will and pretending everything's great even when it's not 
what can I do to actually reappraise, um, to manage the displays, um, complying with the display rules without necessarily changing my internal experience? Um, I might be feeling a particular way, um, but can I reappraise and say, well, this is why I'm doing it, this is meaningful for me. I'm not having a good day, but I love what I do and I love the difference I make. So even though this person is causing me challenges, um, I know that what we do makes a difference. So sort of reappraising it so that I can still um, do the best job I can and regulate my emotions. Uh, it talks about acceptance, a couple more that we'll talk about. I hope this is all making sense to you. Um, acceptance is actually not an attempt at regulation. It's about being mindful and um, accepting how you feel. And again, if you've been on any of our programs, you'll know how important this is, um, the importance of awareness and then acceptance before you even decide, do you need to make an adjustment? Um, so what do we actually need to do to be mindful and present with our emotions when um, the situation serves us? Uh, physiological regulation, and many of you will know that I love the work on uh, influencing emotions through bodily changes, whether it's exercise, meditation, we often use things like comfort food or mind-altering substances such as alcohol, narcotics, coffee, etc. Um, and yet one of the things that I really love is the physiological changes we can make with our body that can actually change how we feel. So again, if you haven't tested that on yourself, give it a practice. Um, change how you hold yourself, how you sit, how you stand, um, and start to notice how it makes you feel. The other thing that I love in this paper is they highlight regulation strategies such as um, what they call cathartic behaviours. Um, so once upon a time it was encouraged that um, people should get their emotions out, so punch walls, um, you know, punch a cushion, whatever you. Um, that's actually been shown to worsen the mood, uh, whereas social catharsis around sharing is about discussing. Not necessarily about venting because, uh, as the research says, and again if you've been on any of our programmes we often talk about this being careful how frequently we vent because it can reflect poorly on you if you're the one venting and it can reduce anger by soliciting support and yet it can also lead to more difficult interactions so being careful about that one and the last thing that i'll talk about in this paper which i think is um uh, just really helpful to, to explore is reappraisal tends to produce more authentic appearing displays rather than typically um, suppression of emotions. So whilst there's no optimal self-regulation strategy because each has its own place, what can we do to put more, as I always talk about it, uh, more effective strategies in our toolkit? And each self-regulation strategy can be deployed to regulate other people's emotions as well. So in the workplace, can you encourage your co-workers or team members to avoid unpleasant stimuli, if that's possible? To redirect their attention and focus on what they can control? To think differently about a situation, so that wonderful learned optimism where we can flip our thinking? Um, do they need to just accept how they feel and move on anyway? Um, do they need to put on a smile and um, accept the situation, take a deep breath, have a coffee or a chocolate, let it out? What can you do to take some of these um, strategies around uh, reappraisal, around um, acceptance, um, around social catharsis, etc., and help somebody else use them as well? Now, I know that's a lot to take in, and as I say, um, there's a lot more in this paper that I haven't shared around uh, emotional intelligence, training in emotional intelligence, culture, gender, emotional contagion, which we know is so important around how group affect influences performance metrics of creativity, decision-making, sales performance, etc. 
um, all sorts of different things. And they also go on to talk about um, research that's needed in certain areas because there's certain uh, areas of research that uh, is much more time consuming that perhaps we have some gaps in. I hope you found that interesting. What I really love about this paper it is a fantastic summary of what we know about uh, emotions and the science of emotions. What I really love is when you use the science, it works. Uh, it helps us. So um, I hope it's given you some food for thought. If you would like to know more, then please contact us. Um, just message me, uh, contact at learnwithsue.com.au if you're interested in more. And we will be talking about um, emotions with some of our guests later on this year, and we've already talked with some others. We have a particular expert coming up fairly soon uh, talking about emotions and how they work in the workplace. So uh, check us out on learnwithsue.com.au if you would like to know more, if you'd like to become a member of our global learning community. And uh, yes, go have a play with your emotions today and see how they are serving you. Good luck, everybody, and I will see you back here again soon. Take care.